is a podcast that helps artists to engage the church and the church to engage artists. My name is Matt Anderson, and I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. We ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and then give us a five-star review on your platform, if that's possible. would really appreciate it. Well, since the beginning of the year, we've been looking at loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we've been exploring different ways of how we do that. And today, we're going to take this to a higher level, or or really, maybe it's better to say a deeper level. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been thrown together with someone who you really didn't know very well, and you just suddenly had to interact. That's an uncomfortable thing. I remember one time at uh, in my work, we were uh, we were going to do a three-hour road trip, and that's one way to do a site inspection for an event we wanted to do. And you know, it was a car caravan, and um, people had gone to other cars, and suddenly, you know, there was kind of one person <laughs> left, and. God bless him. He was stuck in my vehicle, and uh, it was it was someone I barely knew in the office, other than just to exchange pleasantries in the hallway or maybe the break room. And then suddenly we were just thrust together in this contained environment, and just had to make it work because we we were going to have six hours in the car together that day. And, you know, I mean, for the first 45 minutes, it was so, um, you're here. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just really awful banter. But I will say it ended up being a phenomenal conversation. Uh, It doesn't always work out like that. Maybe you've been at a party of some sort, and then, you know, before you know it, you're on a sofa, and, you know, you're drinking ginger ale, and somebody comes up. You know, they're on the other side of the sofa and everyone else is engaged socially except the two of you. And now you kind of have to do something about it, right? And it, oh man, it could be so, it's brutal. And it's brutal because we don't know the person. And I have to, I have to believe this is how a lot of Christians live their lives when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. I think they believe in him for his uh, act of mercy and love on the cross and his resurrection. They believe all of that. But when it's just them and him thrust together in the same room with nobody else, it can turn into, so you're, you're the Messiah. <laughs> you know, We don't know what to say, and it's because we don't know them. Isn't that just a horrible discovery? I see this happen in sort of my world of church. Not every denomination does this, but um, occasionally when there's a, a, a worship service, 
you're singing a song together, and then maybe the worship leader will then ask the congregation to sort of offer their own words of praise to the Lord that's not, you know, orchestrated and composed. And suddenly, suddenly people are in that spot. Now it's just you and Jesus. There's no PowerPoint. There's no worship leader to help you. And often it can, it can expose really how little we know him or how little we feel comfortable with him. And if you really want to love the Lord with all of your heart, especially that, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, I think we're going to have to take our relationship with Jesus out of the kiddie pool. We have to get past this slap you on the back, punch you in the shoulder kind of relationship. I know we all have those in our life, but not for the Savior of the world, not for the Savior of your life. We're, we're going to need to go to a deeper place with him. And, and again, not to generalize, but fellas, I get it. This stuff makes us uncomfortable. But I think if you do this right, it can heal a lot of wounds because there's a lot of us who are listening to this podcast who have sustained especially father wounds. We've seen fatherlessness become really an epidemic in our country. And it's not limited to that, but you know, we do call God our heavenly father. And so when the father thing isn't happening, it leads to a lot of uncomfortable tense moments when it's just us and him. So hang in there with me. And, and artists, hang in there with me too, because I think a lot of artists get their creativity from wounding. Now there's that whole nature-nurture argument thing, but I think when you've grown up in an environment of dysfunction and pain and hurt, a lot of times that will lead to artistry. A lot of artists have, have uh, endured pain in their early life, and I think this can be a source of the healing of a lot of wounds. And I don't think the Lord went through Calvary just to be the guy that we go shopping with or we watch football with. I think he, he really, I mean, he's not bothered by that, but he wants something more than that. And I pray we do too. So I'm going to read Psalm 2. Uh, and I'm going to read this from the message. So it's going to have a little bit of a crazier wording than you're used to from, from the Psalms. Why the big noise, nations? Why the mean plots, peoples? Earth leaders push for position. Demagogues and delegates meet for summit talks. The God deniers, the Messiah defiers. Let's get free of God, cast loose from Messiah. Heaven-throned God breaks out laughing. At first, he's amused at their presumption, then he gets good and angry. Furiously, he shuts them up. Don't you know there's a king in Zion? A coronation banquet is spread for him on the holy summit. Let me tell you what God said next. He said, you're my son, and today is your birthday. What do you want? Name it. Nations as a present? Continents as a prize? You can command them all to dance for you or throw them out with tomorrow's trash. So, rebel kings, use your heads. Upstart judges, learn your lesson. Worship God 
in adoring embrace. Celebrate in trembling awe. Kiss Messiah. I think the Lord wants us to go to that deeper place because he does see us as his kids. And your kids, you have a different relationship with them than you do anybody else in this world. And I think that starts with conversation. I mean, this is the basic first step. Yeah, and it's certainly prayer. Uh, but I think the Lord wants to develop almost a conversational relationship, even in prayer. And I, I don't mean one which loses respect for him or, or awe for him, but I think he wants a familiarity with us. I mean, after all, he calls us his children. Now, if we have a father wound, and this is something I had to deal with personally, we may think he's kind of bothered by my call. It's like that certain name that shows up on your caller ID and you go, oi, because you know it's going to be at least an hour and it's going to be really (laughs) energy draining. And then you realize, who does that when my name pops up on their phone? But that's another that's another episode. Uh, but we just let it go to voicemail because we just ugh, just don't want to deal with that right now. And we think this is how the Lord endures us. Not enjoys, endures us. We come calling and we somehow imagine he's up there going, oh, this again. It's a lie. He's been waiting for your call. It's how we get through the front door of someone else's world. More on that a little later. He wants to embrace you. Now, again, we're plunging into the dive pool now. Some of you are getting jittery, but I want you to hang in there. Our scripture says, worship God in adoring embrace. You know what? I'm glad Jesus doesn't believe in social distancing. He proved it time and again. In one of my favorite stories of Scripture, Mark chapter 1, when he was approached by the untouchable of his world, and that was a man with leprosy. It was a misunderstood disease. (laughs) We've had a few of those. I'm going to leave that alone. But we often don't understand medical conditions until years in the future, and people didn't understand leprosy. They just knew it was awful, and and, and people were losing... Uh, parts of their body, uh, piecemeal. And so they just were separated from the rest of society. And when Jesus is confronted by this man, he decides to touch him, which I'm sure uh, brought out a gasp in everyone in earshot. And think about that. Did Jesus have to do that? No. He's God. He can heal any way he chooses. He could like wink and the guy would have been healed. I think he did this for a reason. He wanted to show how approachable he is. He wants to put his hands on his kids, no matter what injuries we have, no matter what, uh, what stains we believe prohibit us from being in his presence. He does not agree. I think Jesus does all the love languages really well, and that includes touch. And he wants to get to a place where we can embrace him, and it's not awkward. But wait, we're not done. 
the end of our passage in Psalm 2 says, celebrate in trembling awe, kiss Messiah. One of the early churches that I worked in, um, I was in a church that was almost totally Italian. And uh, I'm not, so it was a very different experience for me. And I think I had been at the church for about eight months. And it was, you know, it was a little difficult. I, I still sort of felt like an outsider, didn't really, wasn't getting all the inside jokes, that kind of stuff. But somehow around Christmas time, uh, it all changed. And uh, we came for Christmas Eve service, and suddenly all the Italian men were kissing me on the cheek. <laughs> I was like, whoa, you know, hey, Pastor Matt, hey, you know. And <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, I, I, I guess I'm now a part of the family. Uh, and it was uh, and it was a wonderful experience at that church because I was. It's something I personally do uh, with my dearest friends, uh, whether they like it or not, <laughs> they suffer with me. And wh- whenever I see kids from my youth group from back in the day who are now in their thirties and forties, on one particular occasion, I was at a, a pastor's meeting in another state. I'm standing in the lobby. I don't know anybody except my friend who I came with. And I look across the church lobby, and there's one of my kids who's not a kid anymore, and he himself is a pastor. And all I can tell you is I lost all sense. And I said, with about four ministers around me, I said, quote, holy crap, that's my kid. Now, If you're ever in a room full of ministers, I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting a sentence with, holy crap. Uh, But you know what? I was kind of caught up in the moment because it was my kid. And I blew past about 100 people without acknowledging them because all I could look at was him. And I just wanted to get to him and put my arms around him and kiss him on the cheek and, and just express how much I love and care about him. I have to think that's the Lord's reaction when he sees us. This is what he desires. You know, when we actually do decide to meet with him, he's not content to just look at us and say, what's up? I mean, can you imagine how our worship, our interactions, our relationships, our life changes if we will just love the Lord to this level? And maybe it just starts by us believing it is possible. Is there anything more annoying than those spam and robocalls you get during the day? Something with your area code shows up on your caller ID, so you answer it. Then there's that multi-second pause after you say hello, and you instantly know what's coming. There seems to be no way to perfectly block and handle these calls. Until now. Introducing Robo Gotta Go. 
the most effective way to strike back at spam and robocalls. Now give those telemarketers a taste of their own medicine. Robo Gotta Go substitutes your voice with some of the most annoying voices in our world today. Voices like NPR host. So if we uh, look carefully at the Mesozoic era, we will notice that it was the development of bronze that sprinted us into the Paleozoic era. And I use sprinted advisedly. <laughs> Car dealership guy. And right now we're taking 20% off the sticker price with no questions asked. I can't even believe I'm doing this. I must be out of my mind. Yeah! QAnon conspiracy dude. So you see, Trump has like planned this all out. He knew he was gonna get impeached again. So he's like playing four dimensional chess right now. You don't even realize it. And our best seller of all time, Karen. I just can't believe that you would want to kill people by only wearing one mask when we know that wearing two masks almost doubles the level of protection. But wearing three masks almost guarantees that nothing will be spread. Why would you want to kill old people? No telemarketer can stand up to that. <laughs> I know I can't. It's time to get your phone back and fight spam with verbal steak. Robo gotta go. Don't let robocalls be a hang-up for you. There's a very famous verse in Revelation chapter 3, the last book of the Bible. And if you've been in church at any point in your life, you've probably heard it. And you've probably heard it at the end of a service when someone is giving an invitation. Maybe it's a pastor or an evangelist, and, and they're wanting for people to make a commitment of their life to Christ. And they will quote, Revelation 3.20, and they'll say, and this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me, or dine with him, other versions say, and, and he with me. And, and that's fine to address unbelievers in that way, because that is an invitation that he's making. But here's the thing. If you read Revelation, um, he's talking to a church. He talks to seven churches in the opening chapters of Revelation, and to one of them, because they kind of come to a not such a good spiritual place. And the Lord at the end of it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with them and they with me. That's a church he's talking to, a group of people who already supposedly knew him. Now, I live in an apartment and um, I have a little bit of a narrow entryway. 
I have a dining room table that's you see immediately upon entry to my house, and so that makes kind of the the entryway a little a little bit narrow. But um, I'm going to tell you how I deal with people who desire to come to my house, because I would put them in three groups. Group number one. These are people I do not know who unexpectedly uh, push the buzzer to my apartment, hoping to be let in the front door, or somehow get through security and end up just physically knocking on my door. Now, I think because of the front door security thing, my, uh, the door to my apartment is not equipped with a peephole. So if someone gets to the actual door and starts knocking, I can't look and see who it is. And then there's that whole thing they can kind of tell when you're walking to the door and you don't want, you don't want them knowing that you're walking <laughs> to the door. But when that happens, whether it's a salesperson or something I'm not expecting, I don't, I don't have an Amazon delivery coming or anything like that. What I do is, if, if I'm in my living room watching TV, I mute the television. I don't know why I do that. But I mute the television. I just stay quiet, lay low, and I wait for them to leave. Now, I don't know what's on the other side of that door. I mean, I, trust me, I've done that before. And then I had, I had the little girls selling Girl Scout cookies, right? You know, who's going to, like, close the door on a Girl Scout? So, you know, I mean, you get the little thin mints. Come on, man. And, and I thought, I'm not going to subject myself to this. So I just, I just, I just radio silence until I can hear them walking away. Here's group number two. Group number two are people that I am expecting, but I don't know. Uh, for instance, delivery people, or maybe it's maintenance from my apartment complex. Um, now, of course, I, I have to let them in. But with delivery people, whether it's Amazon or food delivery, DoorDash, whatever it is, I'm expecting them, but I don't know them. So what I do is when they hit the buzzer, I bring them into the building, and I meet them at my front door. I don't bring them into my apartment because that's not, not really a kosher thing to do, and you're going to freak out the delivery person. I transact my business at the door. And I sign whatever I got to sign or hand them cash, whatever it is. And then just send them on their way. Group number three. These are people I love whom I'm expecting. And I mentioned before, the entry to my apartment is narrow. So when I have someone that I love and have invited to my apartment. When they buzz the door, I, of course, let them in. And then I go to the front door of my apartment. And what I do is I open it, and then I back away from the door, and I place myself in the living room. I'm kind of just giving them room to walk in. Um, and then when they've, whatever they need to do, take off their shoes or their coat, whatever, then I will meet them and embrace them upon entry. And I say, welcome to my home. 
just want to ask, what group does Jesus belong to in your life? He's already told us he's knocking. He told the church. So Christians, mm-hmm, you too. He's knocking. Are you just like muting everything and just saying, and waiting it out until he goes away? Or maybe you do the Sunday morning thing. He knocks on Sunday morning and you respond and you meet him at the door. You go to church and you, you know, you do the thing and you sing and you smile at people. And um, when COVID leaves, we'll shake hands again or <laughs> whatever that is. And we listen to the, to the sermon and we nod approvingly and, and we transact our business with him and then we go. And then we send him on his way. Or does he belong to group number three? Do we just open the door wide and back away as if to say, come on in, man. The place is yours. Be casa e su casa. <laughs> and we embrace upon entry. Jesus is trying to get us to group number three. But we're the ones who determine what group he belongs in. So what are you doing at the door? Are you even going near it? Are you just meeting him there and not giving him access because you don't want him to see what's inside? Or do you say, come on in. Whatever you want. I'm just glad you're here. I think this is how close the Lord desires to be. I think if we can get there, we've really taken a huge step into loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray you'll respond to that in some way this week and receive his invitation. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of the MattCast. Please share this with a friend if you have a chance. We'd love to expand our MattCast family. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information about our books and resources, go to mattministry.com. Thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.